Tired of the negative news and flash over substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have another great show for you. But first, our hearts and our prayers are with those who have lost loved ones in Afghanistan. We continue to monitor the story. We continue to follow the updates. We continue to ask about the plan for responding. And of course, we continue to pray for those who are still there and and everybody who's been impacted by this tragedy. So as this unfolds, I know we're headlines with the silver lining, but that part of that is the the prayers that we continue to send to those overseas and those that have lost loved ones. So closer to home, speaking of uh, overseas, how do you get there? How do you get to other countries? Well, you get on a plane. Airlines have been the latest companies to capture headlines through their COVID-related policies or their lack of COVID-related policies. Delta Airlines is the latest. I call this story Delta Airlines versus the Delta variant. They are raising the amount of money that their employees who seek healthcare coverage through the company have to pay each month if they are unvaccinated. Now, that is different than requiring mandated vaccines. So you might on the one hand think, well, at least Delta Airlines isn't requiring that yet. If they increase the costs at least a couple hundred dollars a month, every month to get tested uh, or to to basically remain unvaccinated, that is essentially forcing somebody out financially. So goes the argument. And Larry, I know you've been following the story right along with me, but here's a question that I keep asking uh, every time we talk about the carrot and the stick, what works best, um, is this idea Is there runway left? (laughs) Sticking with the analogy for this idea, is it going to get off the ground? Or is this something that other airlines and other companies are not going to follow and are not thinking is the best way to uh, sort of inspire this wellness incentive, which is ironically what they like this, to make sure their employees can get vaccinated? Right, Wendy. Uh, Delta, again, they have that policy where beginning, I think it might be November 1st, they're going to start charging employees that are not vaccinated, perhaps as much as $200 a month to cover the insurance costs of an unvaccinated person in their calculation. But United Airlines has imposed a vaccination mandate on all of its U.S. employees. And that's not just the flight attendants and the pilots. I mean, it's all U.S. employees. Now, the nation's other two major airlines, American and Southwest, have stopped short of a mandate. So there, I think every corporation is kind of trying to finesse this, negotiate it with their employees, and they're worried about perhaps losing some employees that, that are resisting getting the vaccination. But we are really going through kind of a, a, a test a case for our whole country. We've never had this before, to my knowledge. And how is it going to play here's, out? Here's some, 
Exactly. Here's some talking points that I think are just um, fascinating to points of debate, not points to, to just simply to make, but to debate, to think about, to consider the rationale behind this um, increase in the insurance uh, payments every month is that Delta is arguing the expense of paying the hospital bills of people that end up being treated in hospitals for COVID. And they say all those people have been unvaccinated. What if, what if this increasing number of breakthrough cases, because remember the Delta variant, sicker, quicker, let's say the people that are vaccinated that get COVID anyway are also ending up in the hospital. What happens to that rationale and why then should it simply fall upon unvaccinated employees to make up that financial difference? It's not fair. And I think that would become increasingly clear if that, in fact, does happen. I know a lot of uh, people that have been fully vaccinated are starting to fill up the hospital beds as the so-called Delta variant sweeps through our nation. So that's a great question, Wendy. And then it's not only the airlines, companies such as Google, and Facebook, Wall Street firms such as Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley have vaccine mandates for their employees. So this is just, I think every large corporation, I guess even small corporations are going to have to deal with this. I'm not so sure about the mom and pop shops, uh, if there's many of them left, how they're going to handle Right. Here's a question, Larry, based on what you just said. So you just went and named a couple of tech companies, like Google, Facebook. I'm willing to bet there are a lot of people that work at those companies that never see a customer. Now, I can understand a flight attendant is squeezing their way up and down that aisle, becoming very close to passengers, serving them drinks, helping them with their seatbelts. But you have a Google employee that maybe sits behind a computer screen teleworking. Why should they pose the same risk as the flight attendant on Delta? Not to mention the fact that there are plenty of Delta employees, as you teased up earlier. I mean, that's a great issue that don't interface with the general public. Why should they be subject to increased health care costs when they don't run the same risk of contracting COVID? And not only that, Larry, what do we do with the fact that many talented employees are unvaccinated? Never mind the labor shortages that industries are already facing. What if your most high performing employees, for whatever reason, are not choosing to get the vaccine. Now, I chose those words carefully because there's nothing about these new policies that does away with medical exemptions and religious exemptions. So none of these companies are seeking to strip their employees of their state and federal rights to exercise one of those exemptions. They're instead targeting people that don't want to get vaccinated, that are resistant ideologically, liberty-wise, constitutionally, um, reasons other than medical and religious. But what do you do if your best employees can't simply be replaced? Do you sacrifice the success of your company simply to in the simply out of the principle for having a vaccine mandate? Why not just test them every week instead? I think that's what it's going to come down to is reasonable accommodations. And we have an amazing guest the next hour that will introduce to you after the in the second segment that has a lot more information on this than I do but reasonable accommodations would be perhaps you know taking a weekly test uh, to make sure you don't have covid uh wearing masks while around people that would be considered reasonable and I'm not again I'm not talking about the medical or religious exemptions I'm just talking about reasonable accommodations and but if there's firms that are so set on making this mandatory literally 
uh, I don't know what. Are they willing to to lose their best people? Because I've heard that 50% of the people, this was a, uh, one of the airlines that could have been Delta, where they, they, they are contemplating leaving their jobs. 50% of the people who have not been vaccinated, I should make that clear. So 50% of the people that have not been vaccinated are contemplating leaving should that be forced upon them. So this is a major shift uh, across America. Well, here's another um, provocative talking point. What if you are looking at industries where you have employees that are indispensable, um, air traffic controllers, um, any type of law enforcement, medical fields? You know, we have a lot of medical specialists that work in different areas. What if one of them um, decides they're not going to be vaccinated? And let's leave medical and religious exemptions aside. Isn't a test the best method of, t- of, of gauging the, the risk for COVID. Here's why I say that, Larry. So many breakthrough cases and so much science, um, even Dr. Fauci, you know, vaccine proponents like him and others are admitting they have to because they're, they're just stating the science that being vaccinated does not mean you're not going to contract COVID or spread COVID. It may lessen your symptoms, save your life and keep you out of the hospital. But if the goal is to stop the spread, why wouldn't testing always be a viable alternative for people that choose not, for whatever reason, to get the jab? Well, you would be a wonderful advocate for that side. And I hope people (laughs) would seek out your legal advice and you would charge them a lot of money for that advice. I agree with you 100%. And uh, I think this is a topic for another show. There is such a thing as psychops, psychological operations. Every military in the world has them. And I think as we look back in this in history from a perspective, I mean, the historians in the future, they're going to look at what happened to America, what happened to the world, Australia. It's like we're becoming delusional or something. We are so uh, upset about this virus and we're not even sure that these things we're implementing are going to be the cure. Well, including masks, and I know you uh, you have some uh, a witty thought, maybe just to sort of briefly hit on today, and we can do a whole show out of it later, as to whether or not masking is actually a solution. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it is, and I don't really have time to get into it too much in detail uh, today, but there is something that we should be to uh, think about and i want people to check this out okay so on august 23rd fda gave approval for pfizer but what it really was folks is pfizer bionet together where it was approval they're literally two separate companies that were working together the pfizer has still not been by itself which has it makes its own separate vaccine has not been approved but the bioentech bioentech has been approved and that's fully approved and so when they say this Pfizer and they've even given it another name it's called co uh comernity comernity that's the new name of this vaccine that's been fully approved just so you know that and there's also something I want people to research and we don't have time to get into it but it's called gra- graphene oxide graphene oxide look that up folks it's in all the vaccines graphene g-r-a-p-h-e-n-e we're going to put it on our podcast graphene oxide and you want to research that it's not good for people okay well you know that a lot of controversy a lot of personal opinion a lot of science everybody just get informed right knowledge is power and make your own decisions once you've done that we need to take a short break but please stick around for the next segment 
you are going to meet the founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute, an organization that has done more to defend the rights of families and people of faith than any other organization of its kind on the West Coast. That's the way they tout themselves. And we're going to hear the from the president talking about why that is the way that they are perceived. So you don't want to miss this. We will be back in a flash. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, as we promised in the first half, we have a very famous, informative, and just very endearing and genuine guest for the second half. Larry, who do you have on the line? Right, Wendy. I'd like to welcome back to the program Brad Dacus. He served as legislative assistant to U.S. Senator Phil Graham and went on to receive his Juris Doctor from the University of Texas School of Law. Brad coordinated the religious freedom and parental rights cases throughout the western states of the United States for five years prior to founding his amazing new organization called Pacific Justice Institute. He founded that in 1997. PJI, that's the initials for it, has a network with hundreds of volunteer affiliate attorneys and handles more cases on the West Coast than any other legal nonprofit organization of its kind. He has appeared on America Live, CBS Evening News, CNN, Dateline, NBC, Good Morning America, and just a host of other shows. <laughs> and uh, just we're so privileged to have him on. So welcome to the program, Brad. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and Brad, uh, you know, it is- oh, also some good news is we have now offices, actual offices, coast to coast, from Miami to Seattle, from Orange County, uh, all the way to to New York City and uh, and many places in between. So we're uh, we're here to serve all of America as needed. Fantastic. That is really good news. So you've really expanded. You know, one one thing that always impresses me about you is, in addition to all of the good work you're doing professionally, that personally you are meeting some incredible fitness milestones. I don't know where you find the time, but you've set a couple of records just within the last couple of days. Well, personal records. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got, I got hit really hard with COVID in March and in April. And, um, and it was sort of like, you know, sort of wondering, am I going to bounce back? But uh, yeah, it's personal records. I'm on bicycling. I just sat yesterday and then uh, swimming the, the week before. And so uh, I'm trying to stay in, in good health. And uh, it's a good way also of uh, keeping stress in check as we're uh, dealing with so much at PGI right now with uh, a record number of, of people wanting assistance, trying to keep their jobs and not being fired because of their convictions. Well, Brad, speaking of their convictions, uh, one of the exemptions that are available legally, both federal and statewide, to being vaccinated is religion. Uh, the religious exemption is not used nearly as much as the medical exemption. But I know our listeners are fascinated. They ask us all the time, can you explain what exactly is this religious exemption to this vaccination requirement some employers are imposing? Yeah, some people feel like they have to be Amish or, you know, some certain kind of group. And the reality is it's very, very broad. You could actually even be an atheist and qualify for religious exemption. 
Um, and so it just it needs to be your sincere, uh, deeply held convictions, religious beliefs. Um, and we talk about this on our website. Uh, it's it's all streamlined so people can go there and find out exactly what they need to do, so they have a, a winnable religious exemption request. Um, but they need to it, uh, they don't need to um, argue science or argue statistics. Instead, it's about what do they feel, what's their conviction. So we encourage people to quote at least a couple Bible verses um, to talk about their, uh, their, not just theology with the verses, but also their experience. Do they pray about this? Do they feel the call of the Holy Spirit? Do they feel convicted by the Lord? Um, if, they, if they break that conviction and go against it, is it a sin? You know, and, um, and, 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 and why is that important? And, and have them you know, lay it out from an experiential, also from a scriptural perspective, and, and it needs to be sincere, and that's the key question. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be theologically on point in the eyes of the government. It just needs to be sincere, and they need to spend some time and, and, and write at least a, a full page on, on that to show that they really thought it through, and it's not just a, a whim or just to prevent uh, them from having a, um, a vaccine that's an annoyance or not a preference. On Monday, August 23rd of this year, 2021, the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, announced that it had granted full approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for people 16 years and older. Brad, do you see this FDA approval as a tool that can be used by the government to increase pressure on the unvaccinated to get the jab? Uh, Yeah, we've already seen it, actually, and uh, it's a very good question. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing businesses now uh, stepping up and saying, okay, we're going to mandate a vaccine. Everyone has to be vaccinated. And we even have legislation pending in California uh, right now, um, which, which would actually mandate every employee in California to be vaccinated. Well, what they forget, these legislators, I think, and, and these employers sometimes, is that they can, you know, uh, require what they want, but they're still under the Title VII Civil Rights Act, uh, Civil Rights Statute, Section 701J, which requires them to reasonably accommodate the sincerely held religious beliefs of employees absent an undue burden or hardship. And so uh, that, implies, that applies to individuals with religious convictions. And if people can show and prove they have a sincere religious conviction, um, then they have to be reasonably accommodated. It could be they have to wear a mask. It could be they have to have a uh, testing done every week. Maybe a, like a saliva testing is, uh, you know, some, some employers say, okay, fine, you have to have a PCR, you know, where they stick the tube up the nose. And, well, you know, you're looking at ethylene oxide. That's a carcinogen. That's a part of that. Uh, on a daily, on a, a weekly basis, maybe twice a week. Um, so we, we represented a bunch of, a lot of nurses and doctors recently at uh, Children's Hospital of Orange County. And uh, they changed their policy to say, okay, no, just saliva testing is fine. And then the hospital says, we'll pay for it. You don't have to pay for it after all. We'll pay for it. Um, that's a reasonable accommodation. You know, that the medical exemptions that exist that do permit, as you said, weekly testing instead, um, those medical exemptions actually, and you let me know if I'm right about this, it, they don't require the patient, if you want to call them that, the person that has the exemption, to turn over, to basically relinquish their privacy rights and their medical information to their employer it is far less than that to be able to avail yourself of that exception. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. They don't have to hand over all their medical records. Uh, that's very personal information. But uh, I would say that, um, that the minimal that they need to be able to do in most circumstances is 
to provide a letter from uh, or prescription from a, a doctor uh, or a psychiatrist, because a psychiatrist is also an MD, and uh, stating, you know, their their prescription for this uh, employee not to uh, take the vaccine. It could be, for example, because they've had COVID um, not that long ago, so, you know, within the last uh, 10 months, and the doctor says, um, I've tested the, the employee, their antibodies levels are above 300, or um, they're not at risk, get mature risk of getting the vaccine. The vaccine is not, therefore I prescribe them not to have the vaccine. That's one example. It could be other medical conditions. They have immune uh, issues, immunity issues. So those are, um, but they need to have, usually need to be able to have a letter from a doctor or prescription from a doctor or a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, I say, because um, they could have like anxiety attacks. It could be a mental health issue. Um, and that psychiatrist is putting in writing saying, no, they should not have this. Um, and we had one case um, matter of dealing with a, a young boy. He's a special needs child in a public school. And he was having anxiety attacks, having that, the mask on. This is dealing with the mask. Um, and that was an example. Well, okay, you need to accommodate him. Maybe let him wear the face shield or something else. Um, and uh, so that's the medical exemption. And then the religious exemption um, they, the employee will still probably need to deal with a reasonable accommodation, uh, dealing with maybe testing or wearing and or wearing a mask or something like that. Brad, could the could the medical exemption be a, a therapist, a psychologist, or a social worker as opposed to an MD? Uh, t- technically, we would say no, and the reason is because they're you're looking for someone with an MD, um, an actual. Mm. And so that, that's why we'd kick it into being a psychiatrist because psychiatrists are both, psychiatri- are both psychologists as well as uh, having an MD or a DO. Um, so that's why we say psychiatrist. It's, um, it's clearly more medical and not just you know, mentally or emotional. Um, that's our, that's our rec- strong recommendation for them to have a, a real strong uh, you know, case as far as we're concerned. Hey, Brad, I understand that the California State Assembly has begun to consider, I think it's AB 455 that would mandate vaccinations, uh, proof of vaccination, if you go to a bar, a restaurant, a gym, hotel, uh, and so forth. Is that a concern that we need to be worried about here in California? Yes. Um, It's a serious concern uh, to the extent, you know, we talked about employees having, you know, protections with a religious exemption and medical exemption. Um, in the same way, individuals can uh, lay claim to a, um, you know, about a health exemption under the ADA, American with Disabilities Act. They don't have to be disabled to have that. They could just have anxiety attacks, or what, like we said earlier. Um, but they need to be able to have that prepared, and that business must accommodate them under the ADA. Um, but that can be very difficult for many people to get something like that because they have to have something bona fide. Uh, the average mom and pop out there are going to find themselves not able to get to buy things, to uh, to go to stores or restaurants or, you know, to buy clothes, food. Um, this is a, a huge concern. This turns California into an instant state of tyranny to the very core of, of our ability to live and survive. Um, and so if this becomes law, um, I, I think it's overreaching. It's, I think it's potentially uh, unconstitutional. Uh, but I think one thing it will do is it should inspire the masses to go to the polls on September 14th 
and let their voice be heard as to whether or not they approve of this kind of unreasonable, unusual um, nanny state and controlling of their lives. And I think it will have an impact. I think many people will be inspired to go to the polls and uh, specifically to vote for Larry Elder and uh, and to boot out Gavin Newsom. I may be wrong, but I think this is um, uh, a politically a huge mistake for those wishing to control our lives uh, because I think the, the people of California is a good chance when they hear about this, they will not put up with it. It's a great end to the show, Brad. We're up against a hard break. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please have a wonderful, safe weekend. And to our listeners, please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.